0: my name is bobby i'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in ems and fire
1: and my name is jason and i'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in ems and fire and together we're paramedics
0: unscripted
1: on this show everything is on the table we'll talk about burnout in the business calling 911 for non-emergency reasons holly pharmacy frequent flyers the current housing market the financial system P.S., doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics unscripted. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jason, back with Paramedics Unscripted. I'm your co-host, Jason, with my partner here in crime, Bobby. And this is episode number five. Bobby, how you doing, brother?
0: Jason, what's going on, man? How you doing?
1: Doing all right, doing all right. How you been doing this week?
0: Uh, it's been a it's been a tough week, man. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot to talk about this week. So let's not waste any time and let's get right into it. What do you want to start off with today?
0: Well, last podcast we talked about we touched on polypharma and uh, the merry-go-round which is polypharma. And I, you know, this this time I'd like to touch on uh, you know, right in the same topic except this time we're going to talk about a lot of a lot more about controlled substances and would it actually a lot of units out on the street, such as paramedic units, carry, you know, on their trucks, and we'll also talk about people that are on, you know, controlled pharmaceuticals at home for pain or pain management regiments, and just kind of that type of merry-go-round.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, some of those that abuse it, too, you
0: know? Oh, yeah, that's 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 when I say merry-go-round, I guess that's mainly what I'm referring to, so I, I apologize if I confused anybody out there. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, let's, Hey, since we're talking about stuff, that's currently on the trucks, obviously you'd be the expert in this one since I've been doing it for about five years. Um, so go ahead and let the people know kind of what we carry and, uh, what, what kind of things that's used for.
0: Sure. Uh, well, it, it varies from, from place to place or wherever you work. If you're in this line of work, um, what I carry or what we carry, meaning my department, we carry when it comes to controlled substances, Things that we use for either pain management or, you know, sedatives such as, you know, medications like we'll use Valium, which is a, say a benzodiazepine, which a lot of people take for as like for a sedative effect to help calm you down. Or back in the old days, they used to refer to them as tranquilizers, so, you know, which is a term that's not used really at all anymore. Thank God. But, um, yeah, what we carry Primarily, as far as controlled substances or narcotics or synthetic narcotics, we carry morphine. We carry uh, fentanyl. Yep, which is one we'll we'll get into here in a little bit because I know there's a lot of uh, people that probably have a lot of questions about fentanyl because it's so up in the news and it's, it's definitely buzzworthy these days as far as the street fentanyl.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, but aside from morphine, fentanyl, uh, carry uh, versed. Um we carry uh ketamine. We carry uh uh Haldol. Uh we carry uh you know, some trucks will carry uh, uh value. Yeah. Um um or uh you know some trucks will you know, just, just meds like that. I'm not gonna go into too many, but th- that's probably as far as controlled substances dealing with uh, pain management or any type of medications that have a, we can use to give a sedative effect. Those are, you know, just a small view into what we do carry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. And no, yeah, because a lot of times we have to use them for pain management as well in the field.
0: Right. Right. And, um, you know, it, it, it varies from time to time because usually it kind of depends on like when protocols change, sometimes it'll change or, or if new medications come that have been tested out in the field that have a uh, high success rate. You know, a lot of times we'll switch to that. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. They're depending also depending on what it is.
1: Yeah, and they're also always looking for like the ones that have the least amount of side effects that we have to deal with right. in the field because obviously we're we don't have a plethora of a pharmacy you know downstairs that can send us whatever we want. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Doesn't you know, I mean, a lot like... of trucks. A lot of trucks will carry. You know, I know there's probably some trucks out there that still carry like De- Demerol. Demerol is a big one. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Demerol out in the street that much in a long time, but, uh, that doesn't mean it's not still out there in certain places of the country or other places in the world. But, uh, that was a very successful, you know, drug for pain management that, uh, was, was great, but it's something that I haven't used in a very long time. I haven't probably used that in, I don't know, probably 15, 16 years, maybe.
1: Well, yeah, like, like that's what we were talking about, uh, pre-show talking about, um, uh Phenergan and stuff like that. That used to be big on trucks for a while. And then because of the side effects with that, with it, you know, um, they decided to switch over to Zofran, which really doesn't have any side effects, you know, but also isn't quite as effective.
0: Right. And for those of you who don't know what those two drugs are, Fennergan and Zofran. Um, Phenergan was a drug that we used to carry that was replaced by Phener- by Zofran. But or, actually, or like on carry-
1: Dantatron as they call it in the official name.
0: Exactly. You know, there's, there's also, there's a, there's different, different names for these drugs. There's like a, you know, there's the trade name, there's like the chemical name, there's, you know, um, so some people may know these drugs by different names. Um, but Phenergan was a great drug for, it was an anti-nausea. It wasn't really a controlled substance that we carried, or at least it wasn't considered a controlled substance when we carried it. It was, you know, it was an anti-nausea drug. Yeah. But the beautiful the beautiful thing about that drug was is if I had a patient that was had projectile vomiting going on, um, the beauty the beauty of Phenergan was fenergin could stop if I gave Phenergan, you know, intravenously, you know, through the IV, I could stop that projectile vomiting from just pretty much right in his tracks. For the most part, hopefully. You know, and it took the nausea away at the same time. And it had a mild sedative effect, which was great, too. It kind of put the patient more at ease. You know, unlike Zofran, which is out now, which we had that replaced Fennergan due to uh, certain reasons. And I'll let Jason get into that in a minute. Well, some uh, of it was
1: what you said. It was the sedative effect of Fennergan. That's what scared a lot of people away from it, because obviously if you gave too much accidentally or anything like that, you could put them to sleep. Way well, then they too. also,
0: they're also, they're also trying to say the Phenergan. What was it? Um, Fennergan Ph- had um possible adverse reaction on the kidneys. Yeah. Yeah. It was, or, or, um, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember what the exact reason was, but, and,
1: uh, yeah. Cause that was their big claim with Zofran or on Danzatron is like the generic name. Um, right. that, that didn't have any side effects for anybody. It's safe for, um, you know, women who are pregnant. It was safe for ev- all genres of people and all genres of like that kind of stuff. So it was a much overall safer drug, but, you know, you kind of trade some of the effect off for that.
0: Right. And the, uh, what replaced it for most trucks, I can't speak for all. Yeah. For it did all for ours. We have yeah, yeah, got Zofran. That was it. Well, you switch to Zofran, which Zofran is a good drug, but it, it doesn't have, in my opinion, well, it's not even my opinion. It's fact. It does. It doesn't have the same. Strong effect as Phenergan did. It's not going to stop the vomiting in its tract If you have someone who's projectile vomiting, like I said, well, and also it, it, it'll stop the nausea, but it's not going to stop the uh, it's not going to stop the vomiting. Like if you have a patient that's already started vomiting and you try to give them Phenergan, a lot of times you're not going to stop it. You know, but it will stop nausea hopefully. But the other beautiful thing, aside from being an anti-nausea, well, you know, just an anti-nausea. A lot of times when we give a narcotic, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, say we give a a narcotic for pain. Um, There's a lot of people out there that have an adverse reaction to narcotics, and that a lot of times that reaction is nausea. So we usually, if say I'm going to give somebody a particular dose of morphine, which is a narcotic. And for those of you out there who don't know what a narcotic is, narcotic is a derivative of, of opium. It's an opiate. Right. Um, comes from opium, comes from the opium plant, you know, like you hear about opium, you know, especially probably the biggest supplier of opium in the world was Afghanistan.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but a lot of times people have an adverse reaction to, to, uh, narcotics and we would give them one of these anti, uh, nauseas,
1: anti, anti-emetic, like, metagrin,
0: for you, Zofran. Yeah. Anti-emetic. Yeah. And, um, it would, uh, you know, prevent or hopefully prevent them from getting nausea when giving him these drugs and uh yeah Fennergan was better
1: well and the other big difference too <laughs> that's Fener- my
0: opinion but i think i think a majority of of paramedics out in the field would would most likely agree with me wouldn't you think jason
1: yeah and well and and like you said um it was fast that was fact fast acting um uh, because it was iv administered uh whereas zofran or Ondansetron is an odt which is an oral disintegrating tablet you're going to stick it on your tongue it's going to dissolve and then it kind of goes into your bloodstream that way so
0: wait hold, it, hold on a second hold on a second can you repeat everything you just said one more time
1: oh uh, sure um <laughs> so is zofran or on is a is a administered odt or oral, oral disintegrating tablet um so that's going to be something that's going to you're going to put under your tongue or the medic's going to put under your tongue whatever and then it's going to dissolve and just do its thing and go through the bloodstream that way so it's slower see, see, acting. See
0: people, you see how much you maintain and you remember, and he's been out of the field for a while now. Hey, I remember an
1: anti earlier too. So uh, I I'll give myself a little pat on the back for that.
0: But as still far as some of the, so
1: some of the dosages <laughs> stuff, I don't remember shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you do remember all that stuff and, and that's, well, it's and amazing. That's a, it's
0: amazing how much shit you will not forget. Oh yeah, well, and it's funny too. It's just like it's just like complete muscle memory.
1: Yeah, and you and you mentioned earlier um, when you were talking earlier. This is a little bit off topic, but um, with the difference of like trade names versus med name versus all that stuff, and that confuses a lot of people too. Because we all know
0: trade names, brand names, right. chemical names. Yeah,
1: yeah, you get into all that. So like people know Tylenol, of course, everybody knows what Tylenol is. Um, but it's then acetamin- when you say yeah, when you see yeah, when you say acetaminophen, they're like, oh, well, yeah, that's different. They're like, no, it's exact same fucking thing. acetaminophen is just the generic term for it. So if you buy it at like Costco or something like that, you're buying acetaminophen. You can buy Tylenol there too, I'm sure, but you just buy the generic and it's usually a bit cheaper, but it's the exact same drug. It just doesn't have the stamp that says Tylenol on the top or like Advil is the same thing as ibuprofen or Motrin. Those are all the same drugs. Um, They're just different companies that make that stuff. So that's what I was saying. Like people may not have heard it. We, I always called it Zofran, but on Danzatron, I know my daughter's gotten some of that in the past. Like, that's going to be stuff that they're going to give out. And so when you see that, it's the exact
0: same thing, which is, which is actually a lot cooler name. Cause it, you know, kind of sounds like transformer, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Megatron. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that's, that's one of the things. Cause you do see that. Um, and unfortunately I, I know we were talking about the two anti-medics there, but like, um, you know, you see that. And then of course that, goes with the meds that we give for different things that we come across. Like, like Bobby said, like you might give some, some morphine for someone who's having kidney stones or something like that, that they need some pain relief. Um, but now with the, with Zofran as your only choice, um, it limits you a little bit because like Bobby said, you could stop projectile vomiting with Phenergan, um, in the past. Well, now what I found in my, my career was if someone would basically, if it came down to this, if you're already puking, Zofran's not going to do anything for you. Uh, if you're maybe about to puke, but you haven't puked and we can get it in you in time, then that could take the edge off. But it usually didn't make it all go away. It just kind of took that edge of the feeling off. That's what I always heard from people. What about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but another thing I wanted to touch on as well was uh, that we started talking about, we started talking about, uh, first started talking about, you know, the controlled substances, even though these two, these two drugs aren't controlled substances, meaning Phanergan and, and Sofran. Right. Well, it's one of the things I wanted to clear up because I know it's a a big topic, especially on you know on the in the news now all over the country is uh, is uh, fentanyl, which I've been using and I know Jason did too. I've been using fentanyl out in the field for a long time, and I love that drug. Meaning that it's considered a synthetic narcotic, right? You know, it has the same effect most likely as a opiate derivative such as morphine whatnot, but the problem, you know, not everybody, but we see a lot of people, especially when it comes to a lot of these narcotics or these opiate derivatives is they, a lot of people are allergic to them. Not, not everybody, but a lot of people are. So it's good to have a synthetic narcotic such as fentanyl, which is great because it pretty much has almost the same effects except, you know, most people, I can't say everybody, but you know, a lot of people are not going to be allergic to it. And a lot of people are freaked out when they hear fentanyl because they hear fentanyl all over the news, you know, out on the street, how fentanyl is killing so many people. And that is true. But there's a difference between the hospital grade, which we carry, and this, you know, or it can be a dust form, that what you're seeing out on the street, which is uh, like, especially I'll use, I'll use Baltimore as an example. A lot of heroin that's coming out of Baltimore is said to be split with cheap fentanyl. Which is, you know, if that's the case, and we have been seeing some of that out on the street where I am, uh, that could be very dangerous. And we've seen a lot of ODs because of it, because a lot of people don't realize. And when they think they're buying heroin, they don't realize it's also split with this street fentanyl, which comes from a lot of it comes from China. Yep. You know, China or Mexico, or from China through Mexico into the US. And it's uh, it's some dangerous shit. Yeah, we and had a yes, pe- we had a whole bunch. People of stuff. should be afraid of it.
1: When I when I was working, I remember we had a whole like I, I think I talked about this on one of the previous podcasts, but we had a whole run of of uh, heroin overdoses for a long time. We'd get like one or two a day, and so we'd have like you know three to six a, a tour of three days, and uh, right. and there are a lot of included in that were you know obviously a lot of people we saved because we took you know gave Narcan and they came out of it. Um, but a lot of deaths, to a lot of doas, which are dead on arrival. Well, that's a,
0: that's a, that's a good point. Let me. I don't mean to stop you there. Yeah, bro, go, but ahead, go ahead. You, you just said Narcan. Explain to the listeners out there the benefit of Narcan, since we're talking about narcotics.
1: Well, Narcan and yeah, synthetic Narcan's, narcotics. Well, Narcan is gonna it's gonna block the opiate receptors. Um, so right. ba- basically what it does is it it just basically shuts off the door, letting the opium the opium opium based product do its thing to your body, which is like the high you're trying to get whatever. So it, it shuts all that off. So it's one of the, to me, one of the most fun drugs to push aside from maybe D 50 or something like that, where you actually see a, a immediate response, um, which was something, you know, obviously, you know, like I said, we, we transport patients sometimes for we're seeing them for 20, 30 minutes, maybe max. And we never know what happened. Well, in on this one, we know what happens because as soon as you push that on someone who's overdosed on heroin, if they're obviously still alive, um, they'll just snap right out of it and not know where they are or who they, you know, they're and they're a lot of times mad because you just took away their high. They just paid for,
0: um, Oh yeah. And, and for people out there listening, um, what, like, like Jason said, Narcan is a, uh, narcotic antagonist. Yeah. It's going to work on those receptors and it's basically going to just block it.
1: Yeah. It's an antidote. You know? It's an antidote for, for narcotics. Basically. That's how I look at it.
0: So if you have someone that's high on heroin or morphine or say they're, You know, jacked up on some other narcotic, and say Jason or myself give them either Narcan IV or nasally, whatnot. That Narcan's job that is going to take their high away relatively quickly, especially if it's IV. Yeah. And when you when you got these people say they're high on heroin and they've been you know they've been on heroin for a long time, and you they go from being high as a fucking kite to you take that highway and just, just like in a snap snap of your fingers, they're going to be one of one of two things usually happens. They're going to get pissed off and combative or they're going to puke all over your boots.
1: Yep. Yep. You always, you always turn their head towards the new guy when you're doing it.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a good idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you always aim it towards that new guy. Like, hey, turn, <laughs> hey, turn his head just in case. Yeah, because you do want to watch for, obviously, because then it could become like an airway compromise and stuff like that. But yeah, that was like, uh, and also the other thing about Narcan is it doesn't do anything else in your body. It doesn't, you know, it, that's its job is to block the opi- opiate receptors. So that was my favorite thing too, when you, you, you know, you, you ass- you're assuming someone's high on heroin based on what you see in, in different tests you can do. And then you uh, push the Narcan and then of course they come out of their unconscious state and then they deny that they used any sort of narcotics <laughs> and, and you had to go I into just... that, that argument with them. Like, well, Hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to say you're lying or anything, but, uh, this only works on nar- on, nar- on narcotics and blocking them. That's all it's for. And right. it, if you took other meds, it wouldn't do anything to that. It would have nothing to do with that. So, no. and then usually about after you do that enough with them, they kind of start fessing up you know, once they realize you're not the cops and stuff, they start fessing up.
0: And just so we're clear, I know there's a lot of TV shows and movies out there, when you, especially when you see a lot of these cop shows or, or movies when they talk about, like, these, especially these narco cops or, or narcs or whatever, you know, cocaine's involved in that. Like, especially, like, if you're old school like me and you used to watch Miami Vice back in the 80s, and yes, I am that old. Yeah. Um, um, you know, cocaine was also considered, or they, they, call, they it, was, it was in that category, even though it is not a narcotic. Right. Cocaine is a stimulant. It is not, it doesn't derive from opium or it's not an opiate. And, uh, I just wanted to clear sure. that up just in case there's any, uh, you know, people are misunderstood about that. You know, cocaine is not a narcotic, even though, like I said, you see those TV shows and there's, you know, these narco cops and cocaine's along with like heroin and, and everything else. I'm telling
1: you, if, you you know, did, if everybody has watched the show Parabetics," shout out to them again. Uh, you would understand the world. A lot better than the fake Hollywood stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. And that which is a great show, like you said, in one of the other podcasts, Jason, it's, it's basically like the show cops, except it follows around paramedics.
1: Yeah. So you'd see him do all yeah. this kind of stuff. But yeah, that was is that, that was, is that show still on? No, it's been off the air a long time. I, I didn't know. I mean, you can sometimes I find reruns. Like, I, I want to say it was on the. Uh, it's like Discovery Health or some channel that no one has anymore, probably, um, especially now with cable being gone and pretty much everybody streaming, you can probably still find it somewhere. I don't know. I haven't looked forever. But it was a cool show. Um, what were you saying before that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: No, I was just talking about how cocaine just just kind of, you know, that cocaine is not considered a narcotic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's kind like, be like just like just like crystal meth is a big drug that's in the news or all around that people hear about as a street drug. That is not a narcotic either.
1: Yeah, and when and when we that had our a, that
0: is a that is a, you know that goes in the you know the amphetamine you know realm you know especially it is not a narcotic
1: right and then you you would see like when we had our bunch of stuff going on in where i worked um you would see all these like the same symptoms you go up there the personal unconscious they have pinpoint pupils and you can kind of figure out that they're on the same stuff and it was just like i said it was just really funny listening to them try to get out of it but when, once you're in the back of the ambulance they usually tell you the truth of what's going on <laughs>
0: Now, explain, explain to the listeners, why would they get pinpoint pupils? Why is that a side effect?
1: Uh, that, I don't remember why, honestly, to be honest. I just know that's one of the side effects of an opium overdose. Yeah, you, you caught me there. Long, bro. You caught me there.
0: I'm doing that to mess with you, bro. Uh, yeah, don't do that. I'm scared. <laughs> but anyway, we wanted to uh, lead this as a segue into what we wanted to talk about, which is uh, how there's a lot of people out there that are addicted to narcotics in the pill form you know not only just street street drugs such as heroin you know or whatnot but uh there's a lot of people out there a biggest one of the biggest problems in this country is there's so many people that are hooked on pharmaceutical grade narcotics such as name some there brother
1: there's a whole bunch of them. Many of the, the yeah. oxycodone, there's, any, there's a whole bunch of them. A lot of people, like when they when they start with narcotics in, on the street level, they're not just starting with narcotics. That's something they build up to. A lot of narcotics like that, that are seeking this stuff in the street, this comes from having a legitimate medical problem of some sort, going to a legitimate doctor, getting legitimately prescribed these medications, and they're on them for pain relief, for instance, like a back injury, like you said, something like that. And then the doctor will wean them off or should wean them off with of a narcotic, but sometimes they don't do well with that. And so they, they go to the street to then continue that high. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, that, that's where it comes from. I think.
0: Oh yeah. It, it's happened to, uh, to two friends of mine. Um, two, one of them, one of my best friends that I, I grew up with. She, uh, she got hooked, uh, by her own primary care physician it uh, started off with samples. They're, and, they're, uh, there's those
1: polypharmacy samples again.
0: Right. And she just happened to be a, a healthcare rep, which huh. that's how she found this doctor as her primary care physician. Well, she started off as a healthcare rep. She wasn't a pharmaceutical rep. Oh, Okay. But she I was, was a, another aspect of like home healthcare rep. And it, she would go around just like she would like pharmaceutical reps to doctors that she worked with. And, um, when she had started out, she was having, I think she was having back pain and he would give her samples or whatnot. And it just was taken further and further. And this was a doctor that I came to find out. He was over prescribing to almost all of his patients. That was like a big problem that found out about later. Um, she would, uh. It got to the point, you know, to make a long story short is to fast forward a little bit. She just got on so many pharmaceuticals, you know, whether it was Vicodin, you know, whether it was like Soma, whether it was like Oxys. I don't know everything that she was on at, at the high point, but she was on so many just medications, you know, narcotics and benzodiazepines. And she just she called me up randomly and I I couldn't understand what the hell she was saying and I was concerned because I saw what was going on in the beginning and then you know I I could see what was going on further and so did some of her other friends who were also mutual friends of mine
1: well and you've seen it in your lifestyle like you're working at your job too you've kind of seen these effects
0: oh yeah and and uh that's that's what helped me just kind of hone in on it is I'm like, something is not right here. She's on too much shit or she's, and why is she on too much shit? Because I, so basically, like I said, to make a long story short, she ended up, her primary care physician was actually ended up getting investigated by the authorities. I'm not going to say which authorities, but I think people can kind of put two and two together and, you know, find out which ones. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, his, his license was put into question. And, um, uh, but she stopped seeing this doctor and, um, she ended up getting off a majority of these meds, you know, weaning off, took some time, but of course there were certain ones that she had to remain on until she weaned off those finally as well. And yeah, I remember her telling me this the last time I saw her, We we went out to lunch and probably after that lunch probably about three months after that she died.
1: Oh shit, I'm sorry to hear that.
0: No, and she uh it was weird because I had just talked to her and she was well. You know, everything looked like it was going great. You know, she was on the up and up. She was completely honest with me about what was going on and why she was acting the way she was acting. Everything that everybody was could see, you know, she completely admitted to. And um plus I mean she was a girl that she also liked the party aside from being hooked on medication. She liked to go out and have some drinks and whatnot. That's just, that was just her. I mean, she, she liked to have a good time. And, uh, her and her husband decided to, uh, you know, they went out on a Friday night, had, had some, had a good time. And then the following Saturday night, they're like, you know what? We're just going to take it easy. We're going to chill out at home, watch movies in bed, whatever. And, uh, Her husband woke up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, went into the bathroom and, you know, he he saw that his wife wasn't next to him. So he went in the bathroom just to to drink water or whatnot. He saw that, you know, know, her bathroom had like a a water closet where the toilet was separate from the sinks. Mm -hmm. And he saw that the door was closed and then he saw underneath, he saw her hair was under, was in the crack of the door. So he immediately opened the door and she had collapsed in the bathroom and, um, she died. And uh, it took forever, I don't know why to this day, it took forever for the county coroner to, you know, give a cause of death. And when they finally came back with the cause of death, it came back as like alcohol-induced congestive heart failure, which, of course, my first thought was like, why in the fuck would it take you? six to between six and eight months to come back with a cause of death like that when I could have taken you two weeks.
1: Yeah. that's you know, right. um,
0: It's like, you're not that backed up. I'm sorry. Um, and at her service at her memorial service, she was cremated. So there was no, uh, there wasn't a burial. Um, okay. this particular doctor, not going to use his name was at the service, oh, and it took, it took everything out of, of a lot of us just not to lunge at this guy because he was a contributing factor Wow, what to a, this problem.
1: Yeah, what an asshole.
0: And, yeah. And, uh, and I'm
1: sure he takes, like, like, no responsibility. He doesn't believe he did anything.
0: Well, just so I'm clear, all doctors – not even close to all doctors are like this, you know, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying this particular doctor. Yeah. He was there. And it was just like, he was, I mean, I'm not, he was legitimately, you know, sad like everybody else. But of course a lot of us knew the real deal about this guy. I mean, so this was a guy that, you know, overprescribed his, his patients and was looked at by the feds and, even after that still can, you know, kept doing it. And then to make it another long story short, this particular physician is in prison now because he kept doing the same thing.
1: it catches up to you eventually when you act like that. He, yeah, he that's- kept doing
0: the same thing. Cause he had like, apparently he had a little side business with one of the nurses that worked in his practice, but I don't know all the ins and outs, but apparently he had lost his license, but he was still, I don't know if he was using somebody else to, Dispense these products or whatever, but uh yeah, he kept on and, and it caught up with him, and now he's in prison. Yeah, that's probably so, why
1: he was there too, because to help his conscience by like saying like him being at the you know at the funeral there basically at the end because he knew, right. he felt and, so guilty probably.
0: And that was a situation where it started out as one injury that just snowballed into this this huge issue. And my whole point is it's not these people's fault a lot of the time because, you know, not not to tell another story, but I had another friend who I saw this in front of my face this particular time who she uh, suffered a broken neck when she was a kid and when she she had no problems. And then when she got into her 30s, she started having, you know, neck problems because of the g- degeneration in her vertebra, you know, um, from the, the prior injury. And it got to the point where it just, got to be unbearable and she needed to have a fusion surgery and she went to every doctor in the area under the sun and they all kept saying the same thing "Wow, well, you're too young we don't want to do it." it's like what do you mean that's like ah, I'm in pain She like well let's put you on a, a pain management regimen she's like I don't want to do that I saw what happened to my mother my mother's a drug addict or you know on pills right it's like I don't I don't want that is that is not going to happen to me I do not want to do that so she kept fishing around and fishing around for a doctor who would just do the surgery, which today is a pretty simple surgery. A lot of people get these, you know, these, 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 these fusions, you know, with their vertebrae. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, common, it's a common you know? neck surgery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a common spinal surgery. Yeah. And for some reason, they wouldn't do it and they just wanted to keep going the whole narcotic freaking merry go round of pain management regimen, that and shots.
1: Money, money, money.
0: And, uh, she refused, she refused, she refused until the pain became so unbearable that she gave in.
1: Well, and, that, and that, goes into, that goes into kind of this whole spiel we've kind of been talking about. The meds, for the most part, there are obviously exceptions to this, but meds in general aren't made to cure you of an issue. They're made to mask a symptom. That, that's, right. what, that's what most meds are. There are exceptions.
0: I'm not an idiot about that. But, or especially people that recover from say surgery, right. And they're they, going to be an excruciating piece. So we'll, we'll use like knee replacement surgery.
1: Right. Well, like your, know, well, even your friend there, right. they, they, they don't want to do a surgery because the surgery will make her, her fixed, you know, so to speak, you know what I mean? Like, like the pain will be gone and it'll be fused and then, and, and life will start getting somewhat back to normal. There'll be some restrictions possibly, but, but everything will sort pretty much go back to normal. Easier for them, and that's why I said the money, money, money thing is they just keep giving her these meds, and they can keep prescribing these meds, and they can keep doing different treatments, like you said, like quarterly shots or whatever they want to do right. to do all this stuff. They want to keep that rigmarole going as opposed to doing. And that's where I we, we stressed on one of the other episodes previously is like you need to talk, and good for your friend who did this, you need to talk to your doctors, you need to find out why they're doing it, you need to have them give you a straight answer, and also give you options you know, and don't just do something because they tell you to necessarily figure it out for yourself. And in this situation with her past and her, her mom, um, having the same pro- similar problems with, with overdose or, um, t- you know, taking too much stuff when she wasn't supposed to, she probably knows she's prone to that. Even if she doesn't want to admit it, she's probably going to be prone to that kind of same problem. So she was smart to just say, Hey, I can't be prone to it if I don't ever do it. You know what I mean? So good on her.
0: Right, and and she she kept to her word until, she and I no mm-hmm. one would do the surgery, which blew my mind. But it got to the point where she just gave into it, and she started a pain management regimen. And you know, before you know it, she keeps going up those tiers. She keeps going up that ladder mm-hmm. of different levels of pain management and shots. You know, meaning cortisone or any type of like corticosteroid shot. And um, aside from the pain management. And before you know it, it had its meat hooks in her, and she was she was completely dependent on these substances. And I saw it happen in front of my face, and that was the first time, the very first time, that I actually saw it step by step in front of my face how a person who did not want to wind up, you know, a statistic like she saw what happened to her mom. Happened to her.
1: Yeah, they kind of almost they almost force feed you. Just, into just it. in a
0: different form, and it's it's horrible. It's horrible to watch because it, it's literally happening in real time, and you're seeing it, and you're seeing. And then once, once at least, I can't speak for all experiences. I'm just speaking of what I saw. Once it got to a top tier of when she's gotten up to the, the Cadillac of pain management. You know, when she's, she's using like, like morphine and uh, Mm delauded. you know, um, and she's completely dependent on these. And then the doctors are trying to scale, but well, you're, you're on too much stuff and you're, you know, you're, 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 you're too dependent on these. It's like, how the fuck do you think she got there? Right. It's like, she didn't do this by herself. She rejected it and rejected it until she had no other choice and people need to understand it doesn't take much for those meat hooks to latch onto you and not want to let go and that's that's what happened and uh, it was sad to watch you know that's that's all I'll go into detail on that but you know it, it was that was a like I said that's the first time I saw it where I mean it was in real time and I got a full glimpse of like Holy shit, how many how many times does this happen to other people where they reject this type of treatment because they don't want to wind up like that? And that's exactly what fucking happens. Yeah. Well, I you mean, know? there
1: well, there's a reason too. Like, you know, they have everybody knows of AA alcohol alcoholics anonymous. There's a reason too, they have narcotics anonymous because it's a real thing. It's not this isn't yeah. some like like thing that happens to like one out of a million people or something. This is so big that they actually have like you know, trained people that are there to help you get, uh, you know, on un- to kick this habit, basically when you get off these things as you're trying to get off them and you can't, so, right. It's a real thing. I had, I mean, I, I can speak from my personal experience and t- experience as well. Um, because in the EMS side, obviously because of all the stuff we just said, um, and we'll touch base on this a little later too, but you know, they have a lot of, we see a lot of what we call the drug seekers in the industry. Um, and I used to always kind of, you know, just kind of be like, God, you know, like what's wrong with you people? Like, you know, why are you always doing this? Like, just get off, you know, kind of had that kind of attitude towards it, which obviously was ignorant, but, but I had that kind of attitude towards that kind of stuff as the MS side, because you see all the negative effects that it has, like you were talking about. And then I, myself went to the, uh, went to the ER once uh, while at work uh, with a back injury and was in the ER. And the doctor there um, gave me dilaudid. That was the first time I've ever had a narcotic other than like easy stuff. But that was the first time i ever had a, a real strong narcotic pers- you know prescribed by a doctor there obviously i was in an ER, and he gave me the dilaudid and you know after that took effect i totally understood all like that total like you were saying like that you're seeing your friend go through it opened your eyes or whatever to everything that opened my own eyes when i went through it myself because i was like oh i totally get it i totally get it now because these people you know, someone like me who went into a thing with a back thing injury and my back was locked up and they had to get me to Um, I, I get it. I totally got it after that. I'm like, I totally understand all this stuff. I, I totally understand people chasing the high, so to speak. I never, of course did illegal drugs or anything like that. I never chased the high afterwards, but because I knew better than that, like your, like your friend did, but, um, but yeah, that you see it and it's, it's real. It's a real thing.
0: Yeah. and, and, <sighs> You know, you see it out in the field, like you said, too, Jason, you see it uh, like we would see people and you could you could kind of space them out. I mean, sometimes you would be wrong about it. You know, we all we would all be wrong about it sometimes as far as. But there are certain key signs where. We could we could definitely wean out the drug seekers out in the field of who who are just, you know, because like Jason said, there's a lot of people that that get kind of fine tuned in what we do and what we don't carry on the rigs and um, they'll try to manipulate you. They'll try to, they'll try to call to say, hey, yeah, I've just got chronic back pain, and you know, I've got this prior injury You know, from a skydiving accident. And, you know, I just – it's like, okay, okay, do you take anything for that? No. It's like, okay, what are you allergic to? I'm allergic to morphine. I'm allergic to Versed. I'm allergic to uh, Vicodin. I'm allergic to Percocets. I'm allergic to Oxys. But I'm not allergic to Dilaudid.
1: Right. Right. They, they narrow it down so they, they basically are telling you which one they want without telling you.
0: It, right. It's like, all right. But then, of course, you know, the first thing I'm thinking is like, okay, this person doesn't know as much as I think they know because they would also know that we don't carry Dilaudid on our rig. <laughs> right. Everything that they just listed off, they're allergic to. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Well, that, so, was, that was one of my, yeah. my pet peeves, too. Like, and my like, personal judgment. Of course, you judge every scene, you know. St- you know, take on all aspects of the scene when you're going to these calls. But my big thing was if you barring like your arms cut off or something horrible like that, where you're obviously in pain, of course, I'm going to give you pain management for stuff like that. But if you're the first thing out of your mouth and it's, there's no trauma related to anything going on um, or no serious medical stuff going on. And you're just immediately asking me for pain management. That's a massive red flag for me. Or if you're asking me by name for certain drugs, you know, like those are all like ding 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 little flags going up, and then I'm gonna investigate, and then in those situations ninety nine percent of the time not administer those medications for you. I'll let the hospital decide if they want to
0: you get there well, or they'll hone in like I said before, they'll hone in on on what they're allergic to, yeah, just to let you know and um but uh, you know, if there is something else that you can give them on the trunk but and you like like you can start to like Jason said, there's certain red flags that pop up where you can kind of you can, you can kind of, uh, figure it out. Well, I mean, and- so they also start, they also start, you know, having other ailments, which we also see as common ailments that a lot of people, you know, who are drug seekers or who are addicted to certain meds and just want to fix that they'll, you know, that there'll be a list of their, their, their ailments in their patient history. like, and I'm not trying, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that it's not real, And I'm not saying that there aren't people that that actually have these problems, but there's another, there's one, there's a couple of them, but there's one in particular that I hear all the time, which, you know, I've been right on a number of times as far as like an ailment that that goes along with a lot of other stuff that people have that are trying to seek out medicine. And one of them is, can you guess what I'm about to say, Jason? Fibromyalgia. You got it, bro. (laughs) And fibromyalgia is basically idiopathic nerve pain.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, nerve pain of unknown origin. Yep. Unless they've actually come up with a, a background for it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I what, that's what I was. To- that's what I was told by a doctor yeah. that it was actually, I was told by a doctor at the place I worked in the ER. Um, I, I didn't work in the ER, but the doctors in the ER, I was told that it was uh, coined by doctors at uh, John Hopkins. Um, and uh, that they came up with this term to describe, like you said, unknown origin of pain. So it's basically right. like a catch-all. It's a catch-all term. You know, so anybody that says they have fibromyalgia, I'm not saying it's not real. Like Bobby said, stuff like that, but any stuff like that, it's setting off, you know, medics ears are going off when they hear that. And they're hearing little flags go up in their head and they're checking other things, you know?
0: And that's just, that's just one of many. I just chose to single that one out. Cause we see that a lot.
1: That's a big one though. <laughs>
0: yeah. That or you have like, or the chronic back pain,
1: stuff like that that you can't, you know, you, you can't really prove or disprove. Those are like a lot of those ones that are like the catch all like chronic back pain. What does that mean? It just means you have back pain all the time. Okay. Well, you're, you're old. You could be just old too. You know what I mean? Like I'm 45. I have chronic back pain now, you know? (laughs) So, so so like, like some of that is like that kind of stuff where it doesn't really have any specific reason. It's not an acute problem where you just fell or you just broke something or you just, like you said, you just had surgery maybe, or, or knee replacement, like you said, or something like that. It's just something like, oh, I always have that.
0: And we're not saying that there aren't people out there that actually have these conditions. We're not saying that at all. All we're saying is that when it comes to drug seekers that we have seen in the past, that this is a common thread as far as ailments that a lot of them try to say that they have.
1: Well, and a lot of them too. Yeah. The way too to see it, that I look at it is these people who who use these terms. In theory, if they're if they're telling the truth, they've been diagnosed with these terms by a by a physician somewhere in their lifetime. Um, and that said physician the, I, I, I always tell them to talk to their, their primary care physician then who is assumably the one who diagnosed them with these things. Uh, talk to them about getting pain stuff for them. You right. Know? Let them deal with it. You know what I mean? Cause that, like, you're not calling nine one 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 for that every time.
0: Again, talking about, you know, people that are, are hooked on these, these pharmaceuticals, these, these narcotic pharmaceuticals, such as Vicodin, Percocets, you know, oxys, um, I mean, if they can't get their fix, or their doctors cut them off, and they can't get it anywhere else, guess where guess where they're going to turn? They're going to turn to the street. Yep. You know, a lot of not all of them, but a lot of them who haven't gotten help, or maybe who don't even want help, or who are just so far just addicted to where all they're thinking about is, you know, if I can't get my pills, where am I going to get my fix next? And they just automatically turn to. You know the black market to the street and um where you know there's a lot of pharmaceutical grade stuff that's being sold on the street and there's a lot of non-pharmaceutical grade stuff being sold (laughs) on such as you know uh heroin that's split with you don't know what yep you know and uh
1: that's where the people were when we had our big heroin thing they found out later on through obviously the sheriff's office involved and all the stuff um, they found out later that it was all from like a bad batch that came up right like, from Florida or whatever. Um, and they, they started putting it all together. Cause there were a lot of people dying. Like I said, it was, you know, you'd have like a death, a shift, um, from this stuff and it just got to be so like, you know, unfortunately it was so like just boring. Every time you went on these calls, you're like, oh, okay, you know what I mean? And like, you just see all the stuff and it's, it's horrible that someone goes through that, but it was not uncommon to walk on scene and you see somebody, you know, that did that and they're already, they're done, you know, they're out they've checked out already and it just happens so much. And like you said, and, and then you, but then when you look at the, like Bobby was saying, you look at the background of it and most of these people are actually coming from something that our medical system may have already started the problem for them.
0: If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and by no means are we saying that all cases are like that because there's plenty of cases out there where, I mean, these physicians are monitoring these patients and doing the absolute right thing as far as, controlling how much they get and, and monitoring their progress and monitoring how possibly addicted they may be getting to some of these, but, but some, of them, be. Are, yeah, they some of them be. are not, and some of them are not. And like we talked about the last podcast, as far as, far as polypharmacy, you know, getting on that merry-go-round, this is the same realm.
1: Well, and also and- doctors now in ERs, like I know it, where I worked, the doctors in the ERs, they actually, they tagged these patients. Um, so in, in their charts, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know what they did per se, but, but like when they came in, you know, we bring some Joe Schmo in, I don't know who this person is, this Joe Schmo. And then I bring them in and they're complaining of this, this, this. And I, and I think it's a legit call. Like it could be, I didn't give them any like, narcotics or anything, but I'm like, Oh, it seems pretty legit. They're having this pain of whatever they say they're having this pain from. And then the nurse would come in and, you know, bring up the patient's information and they you know, pull up their data because they've already been there before. So they import all that stuff. And then the nurse would come over and talk to you or the doctor would come over and talk to you in private and be like, Oh yeah, they're on, they're NA already. And you're like, Oh, you know what I mean? And so, cause some of them would fool you with that, you know, not that you gave them narcotics per se, but that you, they would just, you just be like, Oh, and they're already on the list. All the doctors know this stuff and the systems all share that stuff, you know, because back in the day, the Absolutely. different, different states didn't um, with the databases they had uh, back in the day, you, you could go like, you know, you'd see the people with like something like Munchausen's disease or something like that, where you'd have people go in an area they live in and they go to all the little hospitals around there to get whatever they trying to get. You know, and then eventually all those hospitals know about so and so patient, you know? And so they don't they turn them down as far as like, no, we're not giving you your narcotics anymore. And then they just go to the next state over and they do the same thing over there and then the next, but, and they used to be able to get away with that for a long time because the people weren't talking, about it. now they have a new database stuff where they can actually see you know, if you filled a prescription in Idaho or something and you live in Maine, they can actually see that you fill them at these different places and they can catch that. No, it's not a perfect system, but it's a lot better than it was.
0: Oh, absolutely, brother.
1: Yeah. So, and that's another one of those things too. Like we were talking about with fibromyalgia, Munchausen's disease. We have, uh, uh, you know, we've seen, we've both probably seen that, you know, people doing that kind of stuff. You want to talk about that?
0: Munchausen's is a, uh, is another one because that's a uh, another disease you can you can you know a lot of people hear about Munchausen's by proxy, which you can pass on to one of your kids or one of your loved ones, especially your kids. You know what I mean, I think yeah, you and I have had pretty significant experience with that, right, bro?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, go, and tell people what that is. What is that disease?
0: I mean, Munchausen's in a in a in a in a nutshell, is basically a disease where you know you've convinced yourself that uh, you have all these medical problems, you have all these ailments and that uh, you need to be treated for them and uh, you are constantly going to your physician or whoever you go to, constantly you know complaining about these things that you have, these problems, you have these symptoms that you have, and you have nothing at all.
1: Yeah.
0: so these, these are yeah, when these... it's by proxy, you can pass that on to your kid in the way that, you know, say you have a young daughter or son that's growing up with you and you're convincing them from a young age that something is wrong with them. Oh, I need to take you to the doctor. because you're, you know, I think, I think you have a skin problem. Oh, we need to go because you're having a breathing problem. Oh, we need to go because... I don't like the way your eyes look, or, um, I think, I think you're, uh, you're having heart problems. You know, I think you're having breathing problems when there's not a damn thing wrong with them. But imagine a child growing up hearing this, and they're going to start to believe it.
1: Well, hearing it and also seeing their, their, their adult, you know, loved one doing it, you know, they're seeing their mom or their dad, you know, continually going to the hospital for all these different symptoms, you know what I mean? So they're going to pick up.
0: Right. On that. No, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so that that's another one that gets kinda kinda scary in there because you see the like you said, the people just you know, in and, and in EMS we see it all the time where people just continually
0: Well, and that, that that's a good the, point well, you brought that up. Yeah. Not not to name any names, but there's I've in my career I've definitely seen people that I work with that suffer from that. And that makes for a nasty combination because now you have someone who has the medical knowledge, or at least a good amount of medical knowledge. And they have Munchausens, so they know all the right things to say. Yep. They know all the right things to say to the physicians or whoever their primary care physicians are, and they know all the terminology, which is a recipe for disaster. Yep. Especially if it's something that they're passing on to their kid.
1: Yep. Because they start. Yeah, so, you're right. Because they know the magic phrases that that will keep them in the game versus getting kicked out of the game. Like kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Um, and they know those things to say you're right. And that, that is, and I do, I have uh, someone that I've seen in that too. And it's uh, it is a scary, scary thing. And it's kind of honestly like really sad to watch, you know?
0: Oh yeah. Cause some of these people are the nicest people and some of the most intelligent people I've ever been around yet. They have this problem. Yeah. And then it kind and of, it's, it's a scary thing to see too.
1: Well, it goes to like that old nursery rhyme, like whatever, don't, don't cry wolf. Cause no one will believe you when it's real kind of thing. However that goes, um, it's that same kind of thing. Like the person I knew, like for lack of better terms, they were basically banned from all local hospitals, they weren't really banned, but all the hospitals aren't going to believe them because they've gone there and cried wolf so many times for all these like, they left stuff. a lot of breadcrumbs. Yeah. And they, yeah. They, for, well, yeah, that too. But then also like take, like, let's say they have a legitimate, let's say now they have legitimate, I don't know, let's just make some up like back pain or something like that. And they have to get it treated. Well, now in order to get treated, I know for someone I knew they had to go way out of the state area way out of that tri-state area or something like that to go to a whole nother area to even be seen because no one in there, you know, when you go to the hospitals, like you said, or you go to the doctor's office over and over and over and over again for all BS, it catches up with you. And, and like I said, these systems start talking to each other nowadays and insurance starts talking to each other and it it starts following you. Like you said, it leaves breadcrumbs and then everybody can put the pieces together. And most people nowadays are a little more uh, easily better at spotting these kind of things.
0: Yeah, it's a sad thing, bro. It, it really is, because uh, especially when you see people that you know, which I know you have, and yeah. I have too, when you see people especially that have that, you know, have a have a medical knowledge, and they just know all the right, you know, magic potions to come up with to, you know, of bullshit to give to their doctor. It's a scary thing, because, yeah. uh, like I said, the most scary thing is if if they're passing it on to their kid. A lot of times if you have someone that has Munchausen's and they have children, there's a good chance they're passing it on to their children by, you know, their children growing up and my mom, you know, always, your know, mom always saying, or their dad saying that there's something wrong with them or that they think that there's this going on and they're taking with the doctor for everything. I mean, it's only a matter of time before those kids actually start to believe it, you know, and which I have seen before where, um, in a situation like that, where, This had been drilled in the kid's brain since they were a toddler up until they were a teenager and they would actually mimic signs and symptoms of what they thought was wrong with them. And I never would believe that until I saw it.
1: Yeah. Well, and that, and that goes into like, what we see in the field too is like, you see a lot of these, um, these like frequent flyers like this, you know, we've kind of talked about that in the past too, but like these frequent flyers that call you for, the chronic back pain or the chronic whatever kind of stuff going on and there's really nothing we can do for them they really if they need to, if they decide they just would like to go to the hospital obviously they could just go to the hospital they don't need to call 911 for that because there's nothing we can do and there's no emergency situation going on it's a chronic condition meaning it's ongoing you know you have it it's never going away you just treat symptoms and you move on in life unfortunately right. you know and so we see i i know for me i saw a lot of that with in our area we had a lot of uh you know, chronic back pain patients that would call all the time. And I'm like, okay, your back hurts. That's cool. That sucks. You know, i glad it's nothing else. Um, you, you want, you want me to take you to the hospital? Yes. And they would like come sometimes they even walk out to the truck and I'm like, if you could do all this, why don't you just get in your car and go to the hospital? You know? And, and now and they knew by me, by me being there so many times, I'd already told them, Hey, you're not going to get seen any faster. You're going to get a bill for this from the billing people that I have nothing to do with. But why would you want to do all that when you could just instead of waiting for us or something like that, just go to the hospital whenever you, you know, do that kind of thing, or better yet, talk to your primary care physician and get on some sort of a real treatment plan so that you can just, you know, maintain yourself. Any thoughts on that?
0: (laughs) No, I think you're absolutely right because, uh, you know, I can't stress enough. It's especially when these people have that disorder and they're convinced that something is wrong with them. You know, it's, it's a weird cycle, my friend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it, and it does. And it, it, it sucks. Cause I've even had, um, I even had a, a lady that I used to go to, um, pick her up all the time for bowel uh, abdominal pain is what the call would go out as all the time. And she had some sort of a bowel issue, um, was waiting to get seen by a doctor. Um, a specialist they had already referred her to a specialist and had, she had you know got an appointment but it's eight weeks out or whatever couldn't get in sooner um because they were just you know popular or whatever that doctor was really popular and uh this person would call us all the time for this issue and like like bobby and i were kind of saying this kind of brings it all together um back in the old days we did have fennergan and stuff like that but then as i got onto the truck we switched to zofran as i started doing my work um, so she would call us when she's already having the, the, the extreme, ba- um, abdominal pain, she's already vomiting at this point. She's already got, uh, you know, vomiting out of both ends, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and so we could give her Zofran is the only drug I would have to be able to give her, but I can't really give her that cause she's throwing up. So for, to get a tablet in there to disintegrate and do all that stuff without her accidentally spitting it out while she's throwing up is, is pretty hard to do. And I don't have any other option. I would basically just take her to the hospital. And of course they would give her IV Phenergan and she would feel good. And then they would send her home with suppositories so that she could hopefully treat herself prior to the vomiting coming on next time. But that always wasn't the case. And so it became a thing of like cycles and cycles over this period while she was waiting to go see her specialist where we would get called all the time. And it got to the point at the end, as we became like, I don't know, kind of friends, like we just see each other so much. We knew each other by first name and stuff going to these calls all the time that basically I was like, you, you, I mean, if you want me to take a hospital, I have no problem. But like, if you have someone here with you, they can drive you. It'll be a lot faster. I mean, it's not gonna be any faster or anything, but you're not going to be seen any faster with me. I can't do anything. I can I start an IV on you, give you some fluids, but that's, a, that's about it because we don't have any of the drugs you need. The drug you need is at the
0: hospital. Yeah, I can't stress enough how much I miss that drug. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. I mean, because that uh, would in, have been one where we could have helped. Like you said, know? I don't mean to harp on that, but in all seriousness, I mean it was. It was a wonderful drug in situations like that, and um, if you can help that person's problem prior to getting to the hospital, or even if you get to the hospital, because. You know, I would hate to take someone to the hospital just to so so they just because we didn't have that medication anymore. As far as when it comes to an anti nausea, Um, yeah, then
1: that's what we did every time. It was like it was. I mean, like I said, it got to the point. It was like it was like the other frequent flyer I told you about last time on one of the other podcasts. Like I knew her name. I would pull up her call from the last time, import all her data, and have everything done. The whole report be written pretty much as we're getting to the call because I already knew that this is what her problem is. It's a real problem. This was not a drug seeker or anything like this. This was a real problem. I couldn't treat it because I don't have the medication. We don't carry it anymore. Um, I would then have to take her to the hospital. Of course, if she wants to go, if you call 911, we have to take you to the hospital. So sometimes I would take her to the hospital. Um, And of course, I was super nice to her. I kept her comfortable as best I could and stuff like that. But then we get to the hospital. They start an IV on her. They give her some Finnegan. They then quickly send her home. And then if she doesn't get the suppository in before the cycle starts again, once the medicine wears off, then we're just right back here again, like eight hours later or whatever. You know what I mean? The cycle just ongoingly repeats itself, you know, and it was horrible. I, I mean, I felt bad for her cause she had to put up with this for, you know, I want to say like six or eight weeks, whatever it was until she could get into her that specialist. And I just kept telling her, just call the specialist every day and just try to get in see if someone canceled, see if you could slip in somewhere, you know, just explain to them what's going on. Cause the ER, the, I mean, I'm sure they're not any more thrilled, you know, they're thrilled to take care of you and make you feel better, but like it's, it, it gets to a point where it's, it's, you need to, you need to talk to a specialist about that at some point. Cause the ER can only, they can't do anything either other than just cure your symptoms for a small time window of time. And then you're going to be right back here again. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's uh that's, that's one of the sad things of EMS where you see stuff like that, where you see someone that really needs help that you just can't provide. It kind of makes you, you know, it makes you feel like there's nothing you can do. Kind of ties your hands on that one.
0: Right. Plus it also makes you think, and I'm just going to put this out there that it's like, why in the hell do they take certain things away? that were actually good things. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion. That was a good one. Yeah. I think it was a good one too. I
1: honestly think they just take stuff away because they're worried about side effects.
0: I I mean, and that's a, That's, that's exactly right. I mean, like I said, I can't exactly remember what all the side effects that went on, which they, they found out in the study that Finnegan was causing, whether it was kidney issues, whether it was liver issues. I can't remember the exact pinpoint, but, uh, but
1: I mean, but the thing is that's, that's bullshit though. I mean, I'm not saying what you're saying is bullshit, but like, okay, but they still give it, they still give it in hospitals. Yeah. It's not like they don't, it's not like the drug's not made anymore. They still give it in hospitals. Um, so it's, so, you know, yes, you know, the, Maybe, maybe have the frontline anti emetic be uh, Zofran or whatever. That should be maybe in your protocols. That would be your frontline, but also have that one as a backup for situations like, like I was discussing where it, you can't do it that way. Um, because that, that is, you know, it's a, it's a good drug. It does its job, you know? So, right. But I think I always thought, like, when I was always, uh, when I was training like new people, it, you know, in our, in our thing, in our, in our jurisdiction and stuff like that, I would just teach people that, like, the new medics I was like basically the way I looked at it was like everything in this in these drug boxes here uh, there's a few you know obviously oddities but for the most part everything we give we have our, we have the antidote to you know and that's what it was and you and with the Phenergan you didn't have that you know f- the, the biggest thing I heard was you could snow people with it if you gave them too much and they were worried about people giving too much and then you know get in there and the patients you know perfectly fine when you pick them up and you bring them to the ER and they're they're out cold and unconscious because you just snowed them with so much fenergin.
0: Oh, yeah, and especially when it, when it comes to any of these medications that we talk about. It's all relative. Everybody, I don't care how big or small you are, everybody is going to react different differently to any of these compounds that we give. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the reality of it. I mean, because, I mean, there's, you know, getting back, like say, getting back to, you know, a pain management medication, such as, you know, uh, a nar- you know, synthetic narcotic like fentanyl we use. I could have a 250-pound guy that's freaking jacked, and you know I can give him, say, 25 micrograms because that's how strong this medication is, is it's dosed in micrograms, which it takes 1,000 micrograms to make one milligram. Right. So if I say I gave 25 mics or 25 micrograms of fentanyl to this jacked 250-pound dude, he could have, you know, due to his makeup, he could... Be say sy- hypersensitive to it and just be snowed, or I could give yeah. say the same amount to this you know teeny little you know eighty five pound you know old lady, um, who it wouldn't do shit for. Her. You yeah. know it's it's it, 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 it's all relative. It's it, it all depends on how your body is going to react to different compounds.
1: Well, yeah, I had that when when I was in the ER with and I got my dilaudid. I remember you know because I would never had it before. And, um, I asked them. I knew what it was, of course. And I knew that it was, you know, supposed to be awesome. And it was, it was amazing. But, uh, sure. but, uh, you know, I remember they took, they did it, they injected it, it was IM injection and, and they, um, they, uh, told me, you know, I was like, how long, cause I was in 20 out of 10 pain. That was an excruciating pain. And I was like, how long is it supposed to last? And they're, you know, until it's kicks in and they said, oh, probably about five minutes, you know, two, 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah. So meanwhile, they come in. There, of course, they're continually checking in on you and making sure you're doing okay, and there's anything you get you all that kind of stuff while you're waiting for everything to happen. It took me about—I'm a bigger boy. It took me like—I want to say it was like 25 minutes until I started feeling it. Um, and and, and it, but it was cool though. But when it hit you though, it was on. Like that was it. Like I was—I jumped off the cot. I was like, all right, I'm ready to go home. Let's go. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I'm high as a kite now, but I'm ready to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and these these drugs work, and they work really well. Yeah, but I think, like I said, it's important to, for people to understand that, you know, even though there's a standard dosing for these medications, that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm, I'll always live by, you know, start small. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people that try to start start off too high, in my opinion, with dosaging these medications that they can be harmful if you don't, if you don't watch it. Start small. Start with the smallest dose to see how somebody does. I don't care how bad their pain is. Start off small and see how they react to it and titrate to effect. To effect. Yep. You know, if you you know, because if you give too much, I mean, yeah, you can go back by trying to reverse it, you know, with, with if you're given a narcotic, like giving narcan. But why go that route when you can start off small and work your way up until you get the effect that you want?
1: Well, that, yeah, that's or like.
0: That, that I, that I should actually say what the patient wants as far as like, you know, managing their pain.
1: Yeah. Well, with Narcan for us, I, if I, I'm trying to remember, I'm not great on doses, doses anymore because, you know, I haven't been doing that for, I guess, six years now or something like that. But um, I know with Narcan, we used to do, I think it was 0.4. And you can do increments of 0.4 up to two or something like that, if I remember correctly. So like with that, like, like Bobby was saying earlier with that kind of drug, because you don't know how they're going to react, you know, cause you don't know this person, they're just someone unconscious and you obviously can't talk to them. Um, when you push that stuff and they're going to come out of their high and there's a high probability that they're going to also then vomit everywhere when they first come out of it. So you're going to, and to lessen that unless like, if you just slam the two in there, is that the right dose? Am I saying that right?
0: Sure. We'll use that.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So if I'm slamming in the full two, you have a higher probability of getting that effect that you don't want. So we would do like the 0. 0.4 and then maybe the 0. 0.4 and the 0. 0.4 and the, you know, or, or do, you know, 8.8 8 or whatever it was. So that, you know, and, and do it that way as, as it go up in those increments, you know, as opposed to just slamming the whole thing. Cause like you said, someone who's like a hundred pounds wet probably doesn't need that much, you
0: know? Exactly. And you don't know how much they
1: took too. That's the other thing with stuff like that, with narcotic stuff, or, you know, if they OD'd on pills or whatever it is, you don't know how much they actually took. You can guesstimate. Maybe, maybe you can figure that out depending on the situation. Like if there's a pill bottle. You might be able to figure out um, possibly what they took, but you don't know. So that's another thing too, to think about.
0: But again, even though we have experience you know, with all, with most of these medications, we're not doctors. We're not, we're not pharmacists. We, uh, we know as much as we know, you still never, in my opinion, no one ever knows enough. So just keep that in mind that, you know, like you said, we're not physicians, we're not pharmacists, but we we still have experience with these drugs, but we still don't know. You'll never know enough. And, but, uh, you know, if you have any questions on what we've talked about regarding any of these medications, either, you know, consult your physician, you know, consult your pharmacist, you know, consult, you know, send us an email or do your own research, do all of it. Yeah, exactly. And feel free to do, feel, feel free to, uh, to reach out to us if you want to. Um, but, uh, that being said, I think we've, uh, I think we have beat their heads in and up talking about medications there, my brother.
1: Cool. So is there, uh, anything else you want to talk about or do you want to kind of wrap it up?
0: No, I think that I think that's good for uh, for this go round. Um, the only thing I'd like to say is just like I've said before, if anybody has any questions, just don't you know feel free to reach out to us you know by email. And what's that email or, lobby again? Uh, I'm
1: gonna try to trick you go, this time.
0: Go for it, brother. Ah, you
1: got out of it again. Paramedics unscripted at gmail.com. That's paramedics unscripted at gmail.com.
0: Come on, Jason. You know I just love hearing you say that. I mean, you I got know. that sexy voice and all. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, no, seriously. I, yeah, go ahead. But, serious, but seriously, you know, just uh, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, you know, positive or negative. Um, we, we love everything. And like we've always said, um, if you have questions on anything – Don't always rely on what people tell you or what you think that the professionals are that tell you do your own research. If something doesn't sound right and that's it.
1: Yeah. We're not doctors. Like we've said a thousand times on the show. Um, but these are just our opinions on this stuff and we're trying to keep it real and just shoot it with you and, uh, let you know what's going on, man. Give you our opinions on it. And then hopefully someday we can all talk about it. You know what I mean?
0: For all you fact checkers out there. Go to fucking town.
1: Yeah, yeah. Knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Down we here. love,
0: we no, but seriously, we love that. We love, you know, like I said, we, you know, we speak about our experiences and all we're speaking about is our experiences, what we've experienced and what we have seen. So if anybody has any different outlooks, feel free to tell us.
1: Yeah, let Dan us it. know. Cause we, we love to hear those different opinions. Like we said before and, and uh, talk about that too. Cause it's good to hear the different sides of everything. You know, and, and a big shout out too I'd like to give a shout out to all the people uh, new, new to the show we've been getting a lot of followers recently um, checking out the show so we really really appreciate that and
0: uh, you know why that is Jason
1: right? why is that
0: it's because that sexy voice of yours
1: oh yeah that's probably it uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah so we're going to get out of here this week uh, this is episode number five it is over I'm sorry to say but we will see you next week on Paramedics
0: Unscripted